0: De mild. <laughs> what is up? I am the Sam D. That's T-H-E-E-S-A-M-D. Welcome to the week 16 football kickback. What I do here is I walk you through all the games from today, from the one o'clock slate to the four o'clock slate. We start with the four o'clock slate and then we work our way back. Only two games in the 4 o'clock slate today, so it will be rather quick on the front end as there's a lot to get to in the back end from the 1 o'clock slate. But as we transition here and we get into the playoff picture first, because a lot of actions today, a lot of moving and shaking, but then also a lot of just steadiness. Let's get right in here to the screen share and pull this up. All right, so as we do this right now, with, this is the lead-in to the Steelers' Uh, and also on Sunday Night Football, the Steelers and the Raiders. So and we're leading into that. If you look at it right now, in the NFC, the playoff picture is more or less the same. Eagles still holding on to the one spot despite taking the L today. We have the Vikings at the two. The Vikings, again, finding a way. I feel like I come on this live stream every week, and I say, "Is are the Vikings the worst, whatever the record is, team to ever like grace us in the NFL? Were they the worst 10 and 3 team? Yes. Were they worst? Or Are they the worst 11 and 3 team? Yes. Now, after another thrilling dub today, are the Minnesota Vikings the worst 12 and 3 team you've ever seen? We will, we will discuss that. Uh, the 49ers take care of business. They take care of the, of the commanders at the crib, move to 11 and 4, three seed right now. And then you have the Cowboys. Big dub at the crib, take care of, you know, again, Gardner Minshew, no Jalen Hurts. We get it. But still, gave up a lot of points to Gardner Minshew. We'll get there. Again, no no real impact from Miles Sanders, but they found a way to get some points up on the Dallas Cowboys. I got some questions about that Eagles defense. That seems to be a reoccurring theme on this live stream is the, the Eagles and their defense. But we, we, we will get there. And then in the AFC, look, Right now, you're you're looking at the Bills. The Bills took care of business in Chicago, so they hold on to that one spot. Uh, They already clinched the uh, division, but in regards to can he hold on to the number one overall seed? Right now, they got the tiebreaker over the Chiefs. The Chiefs take care of business, get a dub. You know, again, it's it's workmanlike here as we get down to the stretch with only a couple of weeks left here in the regular season. It's workmanlike for the teams at the top to just take care of business, put these bad teams out of their misery or. If you let them hang around, find a way to just get that dub, survive in advance, this is what you're getting from a lot of the top teams in both the AFC and the NFC. So we had the Chiefs take care of business. They clinched uh, the the division. I think that was last week they did that. But, you know, clinched the division here. Then we had the Bengals. Bengals are a team where I asked last week, are we sleeping on them? Another dub today, 11-4, your Cincinnati Bengals. Are we sleeping on them? And the Baltimore Ravens, Smoke and mirrors, I don't know how they do it, but 10-5. and five. I was surprised they got the 9-5 and five and got the dub last week, and they respond yet again today. Again, against the Falcons, so we know, not top-tier comp, but again, with no Lamar. Running game, erratic, still find a way to get it done. So the top four teams, seemingly, because there could be some movements, but in terms of... Teams that are leading their divisions at the moment are taking care of the wild card spots. Bills, Chiefs, Bengals, Ravens. In terms of they've clinched spots, they're in. So teams that have already clinched, Bills, Chiefs, Bengals, Ravens, and AFC. And again, this is before Sunday Night Football, Saturday Night Football, excuse me. And then again, before we have three more games tomorrow. So, you know, in terms of the NFC clinching spots, Eagles, Vikings, 49ers, and The Dallas Cowboys. So, speaking of the Cowboys, let's go ahead and get into this huge game. Gardner Minshew on the road, goes into Jerry's world, and plays about as good as you would expect Gardner Minshew to play in that kind of a spot. Again, I like to pull the box score, but sometimes you have to ignore what the box score says. So, you're going to see 24-40 for 355. That sounds pretty good. And you see two touchdowns that seems pretty good. Two picks. Again, but you consider Gardner Minshew being thrown in there with no Jalen Hurts. Okay. QB rating, 84.9. That's problematic. That's where the numbers start to tell the real story here. And if you're a follower of this live stream, and if you are here, pull up, make sure to hit the like. Uh, Even if you're listening to this on the replay, hit that like, you know how we do with the YouTube algorithm and all that good stuff. So what did this what did this game come down to it came down to the fact that when it came really down to it and the eagles needed a big throw or just a playmaker to make a play they didn't have arguably their best i would still say aj brown's their best playmaker but with the way that jalen hurts has performed you cannot ignore what he's been able to do this year so when it came really right down to it in big moments especially on that last drive they didn't have anyone dynamic who's holding on to the rock that can make something happen, whether it's a scramble drill, whether it's, you know, taking off and doing a design run. They just didn't have that dynamic factor at QB. And you saw that today. I don't know if this clinched the MVP for Jalen Hurts, just the fact that he wasn't there. I You can say that the Eagles missed him, but again, they go on the road in Jerry's world and they put up 34. Now, is that more about the Eagles and their playmakers, despite not having Jalen Hurts, or is that more about, the Dallas Cowboys in their defense, and your man Dan Quinn. I was, I was, I was asked to come on here and kill Dan Quinn last week because of their performance, but to me, it was more about the offense. This week, I think you could find reason to fault the Dallas defense, but again, I don't think I would not. If the Cowboys would have lost this game, I would have not put it squarely on the defense because again, this team is built offense first. So I'm not going to kill this team for being, you know, for being slight. On defense, when the whole brunt of the talent on this team by design is on the offensive side of the ball. But when you look at it here, we, we like to comb the box score and just see if there's anything that sticks out. If you're new here, I favor number one receivers should get double digit targets every single week. I do not care in what, what capacity. Number one receivers should be getting double digit targets just to force the issue against the defense. Let's see how that transpired today. A.J. Brown, eight targets. Don't like that. But Devontae Smith, 12 targets. So, again, you know, Diggs followed A.J. Brown. Uh, he followed A.J. Brown around a lot today. But did you notice how they caught him on that sluggo on the first drive? They caught him on that sluggo, a little double move, and they caught Diggs and A.J. Brown. Started off the game really in a major way with a big catch down the uh, the, the sideline there. But I would have liked to see AJ, A.J. Brown, more of A.J. Brown, and I think that's something where, especially over the second half and especially in that last drive, it seemed like Gardner was going to where he thought he could take take advantage of a mismatch. And there's sometimes where you don't have to worry about a mismatch. Sometimes the mismatch is just I have A.J. Brown and the other side doesn't have anyone that can match up with him. That's the mismatch. Just the fact that I have A.J. Brown and the other side doesn't, that's the mismatch. And I think Gardner went to other players. Quez Watkins, I mean, five targets to me is a little bit too much for for Quez Watkins. Um, It it was a little disappointing down the stretch because you could just see if Jalen was there. I mean, you can can make a case that if Jalen was there, this game's not close in the Eagles' favor. Uh, But the fact that they had the rock, and they had a chance to go down the length of the field and get in position and maybe steal this dub and really put away the number one seed and lock that away. And they just need they just needed a difference maker. They needed a playmaker. And Jalen Hurts is that for this team, and it was not there. Dallas, was I impressed with anything I saw offensively? I thought it was impressive that CeeDee Lamb, again, 11 targets, number one receiver, 11 targets for 10 catches. It was a little disappointing that, you know, Noah Brown and and Gallup, even though Gallup got a touchdown late, that second receiver spot is going to be a thing for Dallas. It's kind of a rotation thing. It's been Noah Brown the last couple of weeks, and then before that, for for a couple of weeks, it was uh, Michael Gallup. Someone has to stand up and take that mantle. That's why you had the rumors of Odell Beckham Jr. It may be T.Y., you know, T.Y., Maybe you have T Y there. Oh, hang on. Let me let me come off the screen and share because I know I know y'all you, know saw that that big T Y catch. You know T Y. Um, you had that there, and that was the thing, right? So it'll be interesting to see what they're able to do with that second receiver slot. But since let's focus on that Dallas offense, which makes me go to the Eagles defense. Eagles defense, another theme on this live stream. I've been asking y'all, what is the identity? Of the Philadelphia Eagles defense. They stacked up front in the trenches. We understand that. The back seven can be good at times. They're more of an opportunistic back seven. They try to force the issue, get turnovers, get deflections, and at times they've been successful. I mean, hell, they started off the game today with a pick six. So, you know, I I get that you can look at this team on paper, this defense on paper, and say, hey, well, look, you know, Riddick was getting after it. Uh, Maddox before he got hurt. I think Maddox getting hurt might be something where if you go back and watch the All-22 tomorrow or the day after, you might see a glaring difference uh, before Maddox got hurt and after. But still, last time I checked, Maddox, as, as good as he is, is he that important to that back seven? You can't tell me that he goes out. Now, all of a sudden, CD Lamb is running wild. I mean, CD was kind of getting numbers up even when Maddox was in there. So this defense, they put up good numbers. They're a good fantasy defense. But in regards to can they stop someone? Are you confident that this Eagles defense can stop someone when they absolutely have to? And if you are confident, and leave it in the comments, where is that stop coming from? Is it coming from the trenches? Is it coming from the backers? Is it coming from the secondary? Where is that stop coming from? Because the only group I have confidence in is the D-line. Because they have so many bodies they could throw at you and keep fresh and keep a rotation coming through that, okay, I have faith that. Riddick can do something off the edge. You know, House of Spirits and Dominican Sue is still getting after it. You know, you have Joseph, you have Cox, you have all these guys. So I'm like, okay. And then, you know, Jordan Davis, assuming, you know, he didn't uh, get himself too injured there. Uh, What was that? Like early in the third quarter? Somewhere in the third quarter it looked like he got hurt a little bit, maybe early fourth. But if those guys are relatively healthy and fresh, I have confidence that if they're going to get a stop, it's going to come from there. You know, big play slay. I mean, today was a day where if he's still big play slay, and that's arguable, arguable. Um, today was a day where, like, you, you just go ahead and follow CD. And if he was following CD all the way around it, and he did get cut out there a couple times, eleven targets, ten receptions for CD Lamb. So interesting game here. A, a lot to pick apart. I'm sure the pundits will over the next couple of days. But I think instant thoughts, instant analysis, instant reaction is that. The Eagles showed themselves to be top tier of the NFC. The fact that they, the fact that they could go on the road and put up 30-plus without Jalen Hurts. And again, part of it was a defensive touchdown. So still 20-plus from the offense, and the defense stepped up there and, and also put up a touchdown on the board. But Miles Sanders, huge fumble there at the end, can, can't get around that whatsoever I like the fact of they got Dallas Goddard back and he was able to give you something he's a guy that again another weapon for this offense so not only do you assuming Jalen Hurts whether he comes back next week or the week after maybe they even hold him out until you know their second round matchup assuming that they hold on to the number one seed and get that bye even if they hold out Jalen Hurts he walks back in and he still has the Mal Sanders who despite the fumbles although it could be a thing because this is the second straight week he's he's lost a fumble is just a sign of things to come. He hadn't fumbled the entire year up until the last two weeks. Something to watch there. But in terms of weapons, you have a Miles Sanders. You have a Devonta Smith. You have A.J. Brown. And now you have Dallas Goddard back in the mix. Those are four dudes, again, with the dynamic playmaking of a Jalen Hurts. How do you stop that offense? What is the game plan? Eagles are very dangerous. They take the L today, but I don't think that means anything in regards to their long-term plan in terms of getting to the Super Bowl. I don't think this is like a a sign of things to come, or this is like a a crack in the armor. I don't think anything of that. I think this is more of a win for Dallas. Dallas has to keep building and try to get some sort of momentum if you you believe in that concept of momentum actually being a thing. This was a game where they they needed to get that dub. Zeke ran well. Tony Pollard dynamic, dual threat, over 100 plus, or close to 100 plus all-purpose. Dallas needed this more than Philly did. It would have been a real extra sweet, extra cherry on top to clinch that number one seed without Jalen Hurts, but you can't really get too wrapped up in that. So Eagles, Cowboys, great game, exciting game, a lot to get into. I'm sure all the pundits will be going crazy over that so but the other four o'clock game which turned out turned out to be a little bit more interesting than I thought Washington and the 49ers so this was a game where you would have thought because of the defense that the 49ers possess it would have been hard sledding for your man's Taylor Heineke and them boys from Washington and it seemed like that. It seemed like that early, but then they were able to find something, and they took away the the ers took away Terry McLaurin for the better part of the first half, and even into the third quarter, and that led for Jahan Dotson to get work. Now, mind you, he was marinating on my bench in the fantasy playoffs today, but we, we, we hope that won't come back to bite me. But Jahan Dotson was able to get off nine targets, six receptions. McLaurin five targets. So no receiver got double-digit targets. You got to know how I feel about that. That means you don't have a number one. Even though I know, I know Terry McLaurin is, a, is the number one for this team by default, and Dodson as a rookie has really um, stepped up here and shown that he could be a potential guy down the road. The 49ers defense is good, but they're not that good that you can't get d- double-digit targets to your number one guy. In, a, in the second half, they kind of force-fed McLaurin, and it worked. Five targets. Four receptions. I don't even think he got a target in the first half. I'll have to go go back and double check. But I don't believe he even had a target in the first half. So he got five targets and four receptions on those four targets. So again, sometimes you just need to throw the damn ball to your number one receiver. Just get it to him. Just no matter what. No matter what the coverage is. I don't care if it's a bracket. I don't care if it's a safety over the top. I don't care. Terry McLaurin is good enough to still warrant getting some targets. Carson Wentz comes off the pine. You know, leads one impressive drive. Heineke was struggling. He just didn't have it today. Uh, but this team's supposed to run the ball, and they tried. I give them that. 22 carries for Brian Robinson. They tried. Uh, but that 49 the defense is just different. George Kittle. Brock Purdy to George Kittle. Second straight week that George Kittle has two touchdowns. Brock Purdy again, 15 to 22. Did not ask him to do a lot. Manage the game. Use these weapons. We're giving you all these weapons. Just use the weapons. Don't try to act out of your skill set. Don't try to do things you're not privy to. Don't try to do things that you're not capable of. Just go out there and do the job. And he's doing that. Two more touchdowns today. He hit your man's kittle for two of them. Eight targets for kittle. Like that. Brandon, Brandon Ayuk, seven targets. Again, they're without their number one. Debo Samuels not back yet they were talking during the broadcast of you know potentially him coming back next week or maybe holding him out for the playoffs we'll see how that goes but christian mccaffrey uh i mean he got a touchdown late cheap one going against him in the fantasy playoffs didn't like to, didn't like to see that but in regards to christian mccaffrey getting that cheap touchdown late they haven't really been able to run the rock that well with him And again, you figured a guy like McCaffrey would be tailor-made for the Shanahan zone-running scheme, but it hasn't really clicked consistently. He's had moments, for sure. But in regards to that week in, week out, McCaffrey running wild or catching the pill and doing things, being that dynamic playmaker that he was assumingly brought in to be, haven't really seen that as of yet. But I'm confident that they will get to it. But this 49er team is based off their defense. The strength of this team, despite all these playmakers, even when they have Debo Samuel, even when they have whoever you feel is the better QB starting, whether it's Jimmy G or even Trey Lance, if if you're going back to the beginning of the year, the strength of this team is defense. Despite all those playmakers, it's still this defense. And Fred Fred Varner, uh, who who's my man? Um, Jimmy Ward had a pick. He was solid today. Greenlaw Greenlaw was a guy that popped out on tape to me. About five, six weeks ago, he just popped out on tape. And I've been kind of locking in on him ever since. And ever since then, he's just been making plays consistently. Consistently picking the ball off. You know, they use him off the edge sometimes in blitz packages. Uh, plus, his cover skills from sideline to sideline, he, he can chase anybody down. Greenlaw is a guy that Warner Warner gets, gets the attention and, and deservedly so. But Dre Greenlaw is a name to watch, especially at that linebacker position. Definitely on the defense, Bosa just comes off the edge so easy. Um, he makes it look easy. He's not even doing anything special. He's not, you know, he's not swimming. It's not. It's it's hardly a bull rush. He gets low. He it, he just makes it look really easy to rush the quarterback, and it is not that easy to rush the quarterback. Um, interesting game here. I think the, the big takeaway is that the 49ers took care of business. Maybe you you like the fact that Washington hung in there for a little bit. Hung in there for a little bit even when they had to dust off Carson Wentz. But I think what the main the main takeaway is the 49ers are going to be a tough out. I wish any team well. If whether you're whether they're whether you have to go to San Francisco or whether you have to see that team come into your building, I wish you well. Cause that team is going to give it to your paws. Um so that was the 4 o'clock action. Let's go ahead and get to the 1 o'clock action. We're going to move a little bit quicker here because there's a lot of games, eight games, Buffalo and Chicago. The Bears actually had a lead in this game. And then the reality, <laughs> they got their reality check. And Josh Allen, another mid-game, another mid-game for, you know, who some thought was going to be the runaway MVP just about a month ago. Another mid-game for Josh Allen. Let's, let's go ahead and go. Stefan Diggs, two targets. Your lead target getter, Gabe Davis. <sighs> uh, look, it's, it's, there's only certain, I can only say it so many times. I can only say it so many times. But Bills take care of business. The Bears are the Bears. The Bears were, you know, I wish the best for Justin Fields. I hope he works on his footwork this offseason. It's the uh, second week in a row that I've paid attention to his footwork, and it hasn't been the greatest. And that was definitely a bugaboo of his coming out of Ohio State. But, you know, I think maybe about three weeks ago on the broadcast for the Bears game, they were uh, the commentators were talking about how The coaches love the fact that Justin Fields can make these dynamic plays on the run, throw across his body, throw off one foot, falling out of bounds. It still goes 60 yards in the air. But then he can't hit the check down. Can't hit the hot route. Just the simple stuff. Can't throw it correctly into the flat. He can't lead his his running back on the check down. It's just the simple stuff where how are you so dynamic and, and have the ability to just be on the run, scramble, drill, and just flick it. Flick it the wrist, and it goes 50, 60 yards in the air, but you can't hit a check down five yards away. Make it make sense. So th- there's a thing there with Justin Fields. I hope he gets the footwork together. Uh, if you're at Buffalo, survive in advance. Second half, they came out like game buses and took care of business. They put the Bears to sleep in the second half. Uh, Devin Singletary, I don't know why this team doesn't dedicate itself more to the run. I just don't understand it. Um, You know, when you got two guys now with Cook and Singletary, Cook as a rook coming in there, really showing some promise, I just don't understand why they don't. Again, this is the time of the year where if you're going to establish the run and you haven't really been doing that, this is the time to do it, especially against a team like the Bears where you can clearly run on them. I mean, look look, look at these numbers. And they didn't, you know, they got guys averaging eight, nine yards a pop, and he didn't even get more than 12 carries. Devin Singletary, 12 carries, 106 yards. James Cook, 11 carries, almost 100 yards. A yard shy of 100. Imagine if they actually tried to run. I mean, combined, that's 23 carries. But that's 23 carries for, you know, 205 yards. Buffalo is going to be an interesting team because... Obviously, they're predicated on what they feel Josh Allen's dynamic arm and dynamic playmaking ability is going to take them. They're willing to hitch themselves to that, right? We saw how close they got to again to the Super Bowl last year. They are clearly hitching the hitching their wagon to whatever Josh Allen is willing to do. My thing is this: if he's going to be erratic, and today there was a pick, well, one, he had two picks today, but that's uh, I believe what's the second pick. The second pick. The second pick was so bad, it made me think they were flashing back to Josh Allen from before Stefan Diggs got there when he became magically good in the MVP candidate. It was a such a bad pick where it was it was, it was not a deflection. He just kind of chucked it, and the linebacker just was like, wait, man, just throwing it right to me. Just plucked that out the air and almost housed it. So Josh Allen still has those moments where he gives you Josh Allen pre- Stephon Diggs, and if that shows up in the playoffs, Buffalo can be out of here. Buffalo can and damn sure will be out of here if Josh Allen pre-Stephon Diggs shows up in a big spot in the playoffs, yeah, yeah. The Bills are vulnerable for sure. Next game. Let's go ahead and get these Ravens, man. These Ravens. Take care of business against the Atlanta Falcons. Desmond Ritter uh, was okay. You know, if if you're a Falcons fan and you're just trying to find any kind of positives out of it, it's going to be hard because, you know, you don't have your full complement of players. But when let's let's go ahead and get in the Baltimore. I mean, it like real quick on the Falcons. Drake London, nine targets close enough to be in the number one receiver, seven receptions. You just want to continue to see him be able to establish the fact that He's going to be your number one receiver. You just want to keep seeing clear cut evidence that he's going to be your number one receiver. I'm seeing that from Drake London. So I think you're fine there. Have the Falcons found their running back in Algier. Cordero Patterson was the incumbent before he got hurt and was on IR. And then Algier kind of took the mantle over and he's still carrying it, even though Patterson's back. Patterson's had a couple of moments since he's come back, but it's been Algier's rock in the backfield. All right, let's go ahead and get to the Ravens. So, again, no Lamar. Gus Edwards in spot running duty. 11 for almost a buck. 11 for 99. J.K. Dobbins, 12 for just about 60 yards. I would have loved to get the inverse of that as a J.K. Dobbins fantasy owner. It's okay, though. It's all good. Um, Again, this is going to come down to, one, when is Lamar coming back? And, two, if Lamar comes back. What Lamar are we getting? Because he was struggling even before he got hurt. But again, it's hard for me to judge Lamar because when he struggles, he's struggling because there's not a lot of people getting open. It's not a a lot of people getting open for him. They bring in Sammy Watkins. I think this is his second go around, right? This is his second go around with the Ravens. I mean, the fact that they got Deshaun Jackson and Sammy Watkins in this wide receiver room is kind of wild. It's kind of wild that Out of all these receivers that year after year after year get drafted, get signed, get picked up, the Ravens are just unable to procure one of them, just one of them for Lamar Jackson and, to a lesser extent, Tyler Huntley. But here we are. Mike Andrews is your leading target getter and your leading reception. Five targets. (laughs) Three receptions. Come on, man. How are the Ravens doing this? I mean, clearly part of it is schedule. A good chunk of it is defense. They still have a lot of guys there. Calais Campbell just seems to keep making plays and make the trade for Roquan Smith. 15 total tackles today, including seven solo. So they're building defense. If you're going to have Lamar Jackson and literally nothing else on offense, then yeah, you're going to have to build from the defense. And that's what they've chosen to do. Their big in-season addition was not giving Lamar Jackson help. It was to go in to add another dynamic playmaker on defense at Roquan Smith. So I guess that answers the question in terms of they're never going to get Lamar any real help. They're just going to keep, you know, hoping to keep play defense, run the rock, keep games close. And then you have Justin Tucker, probably the goat kicker, waiting there in the tuck to win a close game if they have to. So Ravens get another dub, move to 10 and 5. And I don't know if they're dangerous in the playoffs. That's the thing. They're just hard to figure out. I don't know if they're dangerous. But with that defense, that defense travels and that running game travels. So they'll be in the mix. You're going to have to put them away early, score points on them early, and dare Lamar or whoever's at QB to like put up points and come back. Seattle and Kansas City. So Mahomes, are we playing Mahomes MVP odds? Any sports books? Anyone out there jumped on that a few weeks ago? Because while everyone else was running running around, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, finding, you know, Tua, even. If, if you know, if you want to go back a couple of months ago, Mahomes has steadied the ship and they're just cruising along. Two more touchdowns today. Again, and it's not the video game numbers from years ago, but it's just consistency. Excellence consistently being excellent. That's what Patrick Mahomes is doing here. Kelsey, big second half. Um, McKinnon's been doing some things. Another touchdown this week. It's going to be interesting to see who steps up to be that second person. But I've I've been targeting it. I've been tracking it here on this live stream in regards to who is the second guy each week for the Kansas City Chiefs because I feel they're a wide receiver away, and Travis Kelsey's not a wide receiver. So they're a, they are a wide receiver away from running away from the AFC and potentially the entire NFL, but they don't have that right now. That that, that receiver, to do all of that, does not exist right now on their roster. Eight targets for Travis Kelsey, six receptions. By far and away the, the most targets and the most receptions out of anybody. They're lucky they didn't play a better team, that a better suited defense today. I did not feel like their offense ever was clicking. But at the end, Mahomes just kept making plays. That touchdown run where he's parallel with the ground, puts the left hand down to balance himself and to make sure his knees don't touch and then stretches and hits the pylon, it's a huge play. Again, that's what the Eagles are missing with, Jalen, with no Jalen Hurts today. When Mahomes had to make a play and be dynamic, and I really feel he should run more. I get why he doesn't. He's he's had a bad toe as that turf toe before. So, and if you've seen Dion's amputated toes, you know what turf toe can do. But in regards to, I wish Mahomes would run more. I understand why he doesn't. I get it. I'm sure Andy Reid doesn't want him out here, you know, trying to get 15, 15 carries a game. But I'm just saying, I just feel like sometimes he's there's just so much feeling in front of him. But yet he wants to make the pass a little frustrating. But anyway, can this, is this Kansas City Chief team, they're, they're to be feared, right? But how much? Are they, are you fearing them in the second round? Or are you fearing them in the AFC championship game? Do you think this is a Super Bowl team? Let me know. Well, what's what's your fear level? If you're another team, if you're Buffalo, if you're any of the alleged upper let's go ahead and look at this uh playoff picture again. If you're the Bills, Bengals, and Ravens who have already clinched a playoff spot, how much are you fearing the Chiefs? If you're the it, clearly, if you're the Bengals, you're not fearing them, right? Because you already beat them what three times in a row. So the Bengals probably don't fear them. Bills should not feel should not fear them, right? Because they beat them head to head earlier this year. They they should feel confident. Ravens should be scared to death, scared to death, especially no Lamar. If if that's if that's the case, but if you're one of these teams in the hunt. Jaguars, impressive performance against the Jets. I mean, I see that loosely, but still, a dub is a dub. If you're the Jaguars, do you fear the Chiefs? If you're the Chargers and Justin Herbert, Jay Herbo, do you fear the Chiefs? Even if you're Tua Vailoa and the Miami Dolphins, do you fear the Kansas City Chiefs? It's an interesting thing where they're cruising along with with the Chiefs, that is, and I'm not sure how many people are actually afraid or whatever of these chiefs i'm not sure i'm not sure how that works but they 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 need someone to step up and be that second receiver and maybe it's mckinnon maybe it's mckinnon he's not tyreek hill you can't find another one of those but he's making the type of plays from a from a athleticism standpoint that makes you think he could maybe do some key word some some of the things that they tried to do with Tyreek Hill. So that is the Chiefs and the Seahawks. I mean, y'all yeah, know I rock with Geno, but, you know, they got Kenneth Walker back and, yeah, Tyler Lockett's not playing. And, yeah, this is it's a wrap for them. Carolina. All right, so Carolina moves to six and nine. Yo, I love the fact that they're still in this with as much. Steve Wilkes should get that job. Let's start that momentum there. Let's start that talk there. Wilkes deserves that job. DJ Moore, he's him. Um, Just watching this game, so many times you saw, oh, wait, hold up. Damn, 13 targets for Amon Ross St. Brown, number one receiver. Anywho. So when it comes down to the Carolina Panthers, when you consider what they've gone through, Trade Christian McCaffrey. Get rid of Robbie Anderson. Fire Matt Rule. Cut loose Baker Mayfield. They had this revolving door at cornerback, quarterback with Sam Darnold, PJ Walker, Baker Mayfield, back to PJ Walker, back to Baker. Baker wants out. You let Baker come back. Darnold's back in. Like it's it's this revolving door of mid at allegedly the most important position in all of football. And somehow, some way, they're right here at the doorstep of leading the NFC South. They're right there. And again, imagine if they didn't have that screw job of DJ Moore in Atlanta, where they gave him that foolish flag when he took his helmet off after catching a her uh Hail Mary of all Hail Marys from when P.J. Walker was starting, imagine if the reps would have swallowed their whistle or held that flag. You're looking at a Carolina Panthers team that's 7-8. And, and This is a team that, on paper, doesn't appear to be that good. You have to give credit to Steve Wilkes and what he's done. No bigger endorsement of the whole Brian Flores lawsuit thing than what Steve Volks is doing in Carolina right now. He is doing it his way. He is establishing himself as a force in that locker room. And other organizations need to take heed. Ah, oh, the Vikings. Let's go ahead and get into it. Are they the worst 12-3 team in the history of the NFL? Smoke and mirrors. Every week, smoke and mirrors. Are they going to smoke and mirror their way to the NFC? Through the NFC, are they going to smoke and mirror their way there? Three more touchdowns for Kirk Cousins, 48 passing attempts. How do you have Dalvin Cook in your backfield and you have Kirk Cousins, the king of mid, throwing a rock 48 times? How? They're being rewarded for this by being 12 and 3. I just don't. I don't get it. I don't get it. Justin Jefferson, 16 targets number 1 receiver that's what I was, that's what I'll say about Kirk Kirk knows when he got one I'm just going to force feed you like the whole notion that I've been speaking about in regards to sometimes QBs get like Gardner Minshew I think got a little bit too cute should have been forcing it to AJ Brown more and he wasn't doing that and I think that burned him on on a couple of his turnovers you didn't get any of that from Kirk Cousins. Kirk kind of like no uh, uh, J- Justin Jefferson I don't care where you're at, the ball's coming. And if it wasn't him, it was T.J. Hawkinson. 16 targets for T.J. Hawkinson. So imagine this. 48 pass attempts for Kirk Cousins. 48 dropbacks for Kirk Cousins. 32 of those 48 went to Justin Jefferson and T.J. Hawkinson. 32... A 48 went to just two dudes: your number one receiver and a tight end you acquired at the deadline. I mean, I'm not mad at that. I I don't care about that ratio. I'm not mad at that. Like that's if you if you have if you're a mid QB like Kirk Cousins, you better that better be the ratio. That better be the breakdown. I just wish they would run the ball more. I mean, you have Dalvin Cook. And if you're the Giants, look, you may feel like you have to uh pay Danny Pennies, Daniel Jones. You may feel like you have to pay him. I would not. Saquon, I think he's earned his next salary. I think he's earned his next contract. I would stay far away. Daniel Jones, 42 pass attempts? 42? Daniel Jones? Is that what we're doing? Giants are sputtering down the stretch here. They had a real good chance of going 12-5, 11-6. They're kind of tricking that off here late. Uh, If you're just here joining us, we're leading into Sunday Night Football. So if you're seeing this here on the screen, uh, the Raiders are up 7-0 early on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Rest in peace, Franco Harris. I know they're going to be doing a lot around that tonight. Uh, The Saints and the Browns, we'll make this quick. Saints are still in the mix here for the NFC South. Thanks to, you know, Tampa Bay and the fact that Brady is washed and he didn't want to be with the Buccaneers in the first place and he just feels to be forced to play out the string there. Uh, the Bucks have left the door open and the Saints are finding a way with Andy Dalton. Alma Kamara is healthy. Taysom Hill has, you know, been aight. I mean, he's been Taysom Hill. Like, Rashid Shaheed. Saints might have one there. I mean, we, we know what they have in Alave. The if they can somehow get Shahid in Alave, the assuming they hang on to Kamara, Saints a QB away? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, your man's Deshaun Watson looked rusty again. He looked like a guy that hasn't played quarterback in about two years. Amari uh, Cooper, 10 targets, uh, six receptions, number one receiver. Number one receiver, Uh, but not much there. But the fact that the Saints are still in the mix to potentially get that division is, like, just hilarious. Just hilarious. Uh da, da, da. Cincinnati, New England. And this will wrap up the last, this will be the last game of the 1 o'clock slate. Cincinnati, New England, this was an ugly game. Joe Burrow had a couple of bad picks, 52 pass attempts, 5-2. 52 pass attempts. Joe Mixon's healthy. P. Ryan is still there. 52 pass attempts for Joe Burrow. Jamar Chase, 11 targets, number one receiver. But T. Higgins was the guy today. T. Higgins went off nine targets, eight receptions, a buck 28 in the touch. Uh, two tutties for Trent and Irwin. And, yeah, the Bengals, another team that, you know, you don't want to see them come into your building because that offense travels. Because one week it'll be Joe Mixon going crazy, Buck 25 and a couple of touches. And then the next week it's, you know, T Higgins going crazy or Jamar Chase going crazy. Or today, Trenton Irwin of all people going crazy. Like Bengals on offense can be machine like. Defense played well today. But again, they went up against Mac Jones. I don't, I don't, you know, you go, you play well against Mac Jones. To me, that's like default. That that's that's like that's like going against, you know, rookie on Madden like that's I'm not you're not impressing me with that. A salute to Jacoby Myers bouncing back getting that touchdown again. It was assisted man man's better to him. But still awful. What happened to him last week with that Raider uh, fumble lateral, whatever you want to call it, that led to Chandler Jones putting Mac Jones face into the turf. Uh, good, good bounce back moment there. But the Bengals Bengals are for real. Bengals are a team that will be a force to be reckoned with. The AFC playoffs are going to be insane. It's going to be madness. Let's take another quick look here as we wrap this up. Uh, we're looking at, again, the Bills, Chiefs, Bengals, Ravens have already clinched. If you want to do in the hunt, Jacksonville, the Chargers, the Dolphins. And then on the bubble, You have your Patriots, you have the Jets, you have the Titans, and then you have the Raiders who are playing right now, and they're up. And the Steelers. So, you know, this Raiders-Steelers game essentially is a, you know, elimination game. Whoever loses this game, I think it's pretty much out the mix. I don't know if they'll be officially eliminated, but I think they will severely hurt their chances, whoever loses tonight between the Raiders and the Steelers. So um, I think that's something to look out for. Real quick in the NFC. Eagles, Vikings, 49ers, and Cowboys have clinched. Buccaneers, Giants, Cowboys all in the mix, in the hunt, if you will. And then on the outside looking in, in the bubble, you have the Seahawks, Lions, Packers, Panthers, Saints. But again, we look at that Bucks. that Bucks thing is kind of fugazi because at any moment, if they drop, if they take an L to the Cardinals, which I don't think is possible, but... You know, with the way they've looked, yeah, you really can't call it. But if they take that L, opens the door for the Panthers and even the Saints. So a lot to look forward to. Come off the screen here, bring it back in. Uh, I am the Sam D. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Hit that like button if you're pulling up here, whether it's live right now or on the replay. Uh, This is what I do here. I say the things that your favorites can't and won't say. I say a lot of things here, and it probably most likely will come true later. So, you know, in the words of Cujo from Goody Mob, listen to me now. Believe me later on. But this is what I do here. Every week, we we recap NFL action. We recap the games, the big slate of the games. I will not be on the stream uh, for Kwanzaa Eve. But again, next week, big slate of the games heading into New Year's. We'll be back again for a live stream for week 17 of the football kickback. So for these, Sam I appreciate you for tapping in. I appreciate anyone who's able to check out the stream, whether live or on the replay, share this link out to whoever, subscribe, like, all that usual YouTube algorithm stuff that helps to get this pushing. And I'll catch y'all week 17 for the football kickback.